Good morning. The scripture reading is found in Psalm 98, verses 1 through 6, Pew Bible, page 500, following Jesus Bible, 616 through 617. It says, O sing to the Lord a new song, for he has done marvelous things. His right hand and his holy arm have worked salvation for him. The Lord has made known his salvation. He has revealed his righteousness in the sight of the nations. He has remembered his steadfast love and faithfulness to the house of Israel. All the ends of the earth have seen the salvation of our God. Make a joyful noise to the Lord, all the earth. Break forth into joyous song and sing praises. Sing praises to the Lord with a lyre, with a lyre and with the sound of melody. With trumpets and the sound of the horn, make a joyful noise before the King, the Lord. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. If you have little ones first grade and under who would like to go for children's worship, Miss Brittany will be walking them over there. She will be walking, they will be running. Moms and dads are in charge, so I don't have to comment on that. I'm fine. Well, if you weren't here last Sunday, you may have heard a rumor. A rumor that we are approaching Advent from a new creative angle that we have not tried before. And it's all rooted in Psalm chapter 98, which begins this way. Look again with me, verse 1. O sing to Yahweh a new song, for he has done marvelous things. Marvelous things. What, what, what is a, a marvel? It's a miracle. The psalmist says to sing a new song because of God's miracles. Think about God's miracles and therefore sing. But then he goes on to describe those miracles. Continue on. Go back to verse 1. Oh, sing to Yahweh a new song for he has done Marvelous things. What marvelous things? His right hand and his holy arm have worked salvation for him. Yahweh has made known his salvation. So what specific miracles is the psalmist telling us to sing about? The miracles that brought about salvation. The exodus. The incarnation of Christ. The resurrection of Christ. The second coming. Because of these kinds of marvelous works of salvation, we are to sing a new song. But where do we get this new song? Mike suggested last week that Spotify would supply new songs for us, and that's a start. But I think the psalmist wants us to dig deeper than that. A new song comes from within. As we reflect on God's marvelous works of salvation, it's his desire that each of us would worship him in our own way, in our own voice, that we would sing a new song of our own. So during these three remaining weeks of Advent, my challenge to you is that each of you would write a new song for God. So if you have your songwriting journals that I passed out last week, pull it out, grab it. If you were not here last week, uh, you were serving in children's ministry, you weren't able to be here, raise your hand, and I'm going to ask if Joey and Jonathan and Charles we we'll go to the back there. There's an offering plate that is full of these journals. Uh, we're going to keep reloading and handing these things out each week. So uh, put your hand up. And if you're visiting, that's okay. You can have one too. Uh, so I don't, regardless of your age or 
if you can write, I want you to have one of these. So, so raise your hand. They're going to pass them out. I know y'all didn't have one. You weren't here last week. The good news is you're at the front, so if we run out before we get to you, then you won't feel that, we, I won't feel that bad about it. All right. So we're not taking notes in our worship guides. We're taking notes in these. Um, if you left yours at home, we do have a space on the back of your worship guide where you can take some notes and transpose them into your journal. And that's important uh, because we're carrying these with us. You can see I've already started writing. Last week, in last week's sermon, I gave you four practices to be doing to help inspire your song. If you haven't heard that sermon, I recommend you go back and listen to it because those four practices we're going to be going back to over and over. And where's Mr. Tally? Can you turn the air down? I'm hot. Um, and I see a couple other people fanning themselves. So uh, listen to last week's sermon. It'll give you four practices to be doing that will help you develop your song. Did we run out of journals? We did? Oh, Charles, okay, Charles coming with a couple extras. We will buy more for next week. We had to buy more for this week, so we'll, we'll keep on uh, doing that. So go back and listen to that. And so basically, when you have five spare minutes this week sitting in the car or in the grocery line or something like that, you can pull out your journal, and you can be meditating on those four practices and begin putting a uh, pen to paper. So um, maybe you've done that this week. You've practiced the four things I gave you last week, but you don't feel like your song is taking shape. You've got some words. You've got some phrases. What's next? Well, today we're going to talk about the three kinds of songs that I want you to consider writing. There are lots of different kinds of songs you could write, but I'm going to narrow it down to three that I think are helpful not only for the Advent season, but also come from our text. So here are the three types of songs that I'm going to invite you to write. Grab your journal, grab your pen or pencil, and write these three things down. I've got to write them down too. Number one is a praise song. That's the first kind of song I want to challenge you. You're just going to pick one of these, though. A praise song. That's number one. Song type number two is a surrender song. Maybe you've never heard of a surrender song. That's because I came up with it about a month ago. <laughs> so first one is a praise song. Number two is a surrender song. And number three is an evangelistic song. So the question we're going to answer this morning is which kind of song are you writing? Are you writing a praise song? Are you writing a surrender song? Or are you writing an evangelistic song over the next uh, three weeks? So let's start with the first one. Let's look at Psalm 98 and see what we can learn about praise songs. So look again at verses 4 and 5. Make a joyful noise to Yahweh, all the earth. Break forth into joyous song and sing praises. Sing praises to Yahweh with the lyre, with the lyre and the sound of melody. So Psalm 98, verse 1, began with an imperative, with a command. And what was the command? Sing a, a new song to Yahweh, for he has done marvelous things. That's the first imperative. That's the first command. But now in verse 4, we see a second command, a second imperative that gives some detail that wasn't included in that first command when he says, make a joyful noise to Yahweh all the earth. Make a joyful noise to Yahweh. Kids, the psalmist in these verses tells us to sing joyfully to someone. Who are we supposed to sing to? 
kids. What does the verse tell us? Grown-ups, you can help them if you want. Verse 4 says, sing, make a joyful noise to, to the Lord, to Yahweh. That's right. This is telling us the audience of a praise song. Here's your next note to write in your journal. The audience of a praise song is God. I'm writing it down too. The audience of a praise song is God. Verse 4 says, make a joyful noise to Yahweh. It's not a song written to yourself. It's not a song written to someone else. It is a song written to God. He is the audience. He is the recipient of our song. But these praise songs are not only to God, they're also about God. This is a song to God where we are telling him about himself. It's like a love letter to God where you are heaping praise on him for all the things you love about him. Here's your next thing to write down. Praise songs tell God what I love. Praise songs tell God what I love about his character or deeds. Praise songs tell God what I love about his character or deeds. What do you think would be easier to write about? Writing a song about God's character or writing a song about God's deeds? What do you think? Deeds. Right. I, I, I would agree. For most people, it's easier to write about the things God has done. To worship God for what he's done for me. To worship God for what he's done for the world or for his people. And there's another word for that. Thanksgiving. Why does Thanksgiving come easier to us than praising God for his character. Why is that? Well, if you ask a small child, dads, try this tonight. Ask a small child uh, why they love their mother. You know what they say? Because she cooks for me. <laughs> because she plays with me. They never heap praises on this wonderful woman for the sacrifices she has made and the heart of gold that she has. They never adore the woman. They think about the things that she does for them. And that's not bad. It's just immaturity. As they grow up, they'll learn to enjoy their mother more appropriately. And I'm pretty sure there's a, there's a lesson here, too, about Christmas gifts. If we get so obsessed with the gift that we forget the giver, that's a sign of immaturity, right? Turn with me to Luke chapter 1. Hold your finger in Psalm 98. So in Luke chapter 1, Mary, the mother of Jesus, sings a song. And it's a remarkable praise song because she shows real maturity. She goes back and forth from thanksgiving for what God has done, but then also adoration for who he is. She goes back and forth and back and forth between praising God for his character, praising God for his deeds. And it represents well the sort of balance that we should have not only in our song that we're writing, but in our lives and in the way that our hearts are attuned to God. So look, look with me at Luke chapter 1, verse 46. And Mary said, be looking for each, adoration of God's character, thanksgiving for his deeds. Mary said, my soul magnifies the Lord, 
And my spirit rejoices in God my Savior, for he has looked on the humble estate of his servant. For behold, from now on all generations will call me blessed, for he who is mighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name, and his mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. He has shown strength with his arm. He's scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. He's brought down the mighty from their thrones and exalted those of humble estate. He has filled the hungry with good things, and the rich he has sent away empty. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy as he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham, and to his offspring forever. So Mary has received the good news that she's going to have a baby. She shared this good news with her relative Elizabeth, and then she erupts in praise. First, Mary praises God for his character. She sings that he is mighty, that he is holy, that he is merciful from generation to generation. And then she also thanks him for his deeds, for miraculously giving her not only a son, but the Messiah as her son. She thanks him for scattering the proud, for bringing down the mighty, for exalting the lowly, for feeding the hungry, abasing the rich, and for keeping his promises to Abraham and to all Israel. But here's the question. Which does Mary do more? Does she spend more of her song in adoration of God's character or more in thanksgiving for his deeds? You notice? She spends more time on thanksgiving. She focuses more of her song on God's deeds. That's okay. The goal is that we do thank God for his gifts, but let us not forget to adore the gift giver, the one who's given us those gifts. This is a praise song, a song that is fully directed to God and is about God, where we praise him for his character and thank him for his deeds. Now maybe, as you reflect on God, you think, well, who is he really? What is he like? What has God done for me, for his people, for the world? And maybe you have some examples from your own life of how God has helped you. But the best place to turn for the answers to those questions is the Bible. When Mary sings her song, it is rooted in the scriptures. She sings, he has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy as he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham and to his offspring forever. Mary's song was rooted in the scriptures. Here's your next note to write in your journal. If you are struggling to see God's character in deeds, if you're struggling to see God's character in deeds, and there is space on the back of your worship guide if you need to write down there too. Go back to the scriptures. If you're struggling to see God's character or deeds, go back to the scriptures. Read the story of Exodus again. Read the story of the birth of Christ. Read the story of the resurrection. Read the prophecies about the second coming of Jesus. Look at the marvelous works of God and be inspired to joy and to gratitude again. See the character and deeds of God and then praise God for them. So which song are you going to write? Why would you choose to write a praise song rather than one of the other two options I've given you? Well, first of all, maybe this discussion of praise has raised your interest. If writing a song to God adoring him for his character and thanking him for his deeds, if that sounds cool or fun or interesting to you, do it. Take the ideas and thoughts you've been writing down in your journal already in this last week and begin to shape them into a song 
praise. Second, maybe this discussion has stirred your affection for God. As you heard Mary's song, something in it struck a chord in your heart. You felt yourself moved by her praise of God. Her song made you want to love God and to thank God in a similar way. So if you find this discussion has stirred you at a heart level, then give it a shot. Write a praise song over the next three weeks. Third, maybe this conversation has made you feel a little bit guilty. For you, adoring God or thanking God has been kind of a struggle. Finding things to adore him for or to thank him for, that's something you find hard. Maybe it's been a tough year for you. Or maybe you're struggling with some doubts about God. Praise, just the very idea of praising God either by yourself or with other Christians, that's a difficult thing for you right now. And if that's you, I want to encourage you to try writing a praise song to God. Meditate on who he is and what he has done in the scriptures. Give yourself over to reflecting on God's character and deeds, prayerfully inviting him to woo your heart so that praise is something you delight in doing, so that you would erupt in praise. I think that would be a very restorative healing process for you this Advent, to set your heart on the Lord and to ask him to change your heart so that praise comes more naturally. But maybe none of that describes you. Maybe a, a praise song is not the one for you. So what's the second kind of song that you could sing, that you could write this Advent? A surrender song. So back in Psalm 98, we've got to turn back. Back in Psalm 98, the uh, psalmist talks about three different instruments that are used in worship. And uh, so well, let's look at verses 5 and 6, and we're going to see these three different instruments. Sing praises to Yahweh with the lyre with the lyre and the sound of melody, with trumpets and the sound of the horn, make a joyful noise before the king, Yahweh. So we have three different types of instruments here. A lyre, which is kind of like a small harp. You have trumpets, which are made of metal. And then there's a horn called a shofar. So that, that was like taken off of a ram or another animal. And each of these different instruments has a different purpose. So lyres were ordinarily used in temple worship. So lyres were for praise songs, songs for adoring God, songs for thanking God. But the trumpet and the shofar were used for two other types of songs. Trumpets were most often used to announce the arrival of a king. So kids, when, when a king comes into town and a trumpet is blown, what are you supposed to do? You're supposed to bow. That's right. The trumpet is blown. The king is coming. You rush <laughs> to the scene, and you bow before the king. We surrender ourselves. So what, and who, or who rather, is the audience of a surrender song? You write this down. The audience of a surrender song is ourselves and God. So a praise song is to God about God. A surrender song is to ourselves and to God. So with this song, we are surrendering ourselves to our great king and our great Lord. We are professing our allegiance to him. We are surrendering ourselves to his kingship. Here's the next note for your journal. Surrender songs direct our hopes 
Surrender songs direct our hopes to the right king and the right time. Surrender songs direct our hopes to the right king and the right time. All right, so kids, I really need your help this time. Let me see every kid's face. You're scattered throughout the room. We're going to do an imagination. I need your imagination to be really, really strong. Can your imagination be really, really strong for me? Okay, so all kids, I want you to close your eyes and we're going to start imagining something. You ready? Now, I need your imagination to be really, really strong, okay? So imagine you're at recess or you're in your neighborhood and suddenly you hear a loud trumpet blast. Did you see what people did? What did they do? They turned and they looked. There was a trumpet. That, that was a pretty good imagination, kids. I don't know how y'all pulled that. Nah, it's Mr. Chris. He's hiding back there. That's what a surrender song does. It turns our attention away from the thing that we're focusing on to something or someone else. And here's my point. Sometimes we start to think that someone or something else is in charge of me. That someone or something else is my king. That success is my king. That enjoyment is my king. That our significant other, our family's needs, our hobby, our job is our king. And a surrender song is about intentionally turning away from those false kings and saying, No, Jesus is my true king. He is the good king and he is the king of all. But these submission songs don't only direct us to the right king. They also direct us to the right time. Let me ask you a question. Will God's kingdom be complete on earth before Jesus returns? Will the earth be fully like heaven the day before Jesus comes back? You know, despite claiming to be a post-millennialist, the the, the scriptures seem pretty clear that there will still be persecution, unbelief, sin, and strife on the earth when Jesus returns. So when we surrender ourselves to King Jesus, when we turn our eyes away from other kings to him, we also have to look to a different time. While we do hope for God's kingdom to come to bear on earth now, it will not be complete until Jesus returns. So our hopes are to be set primarily on that day, that time, the return of King Jesus. That day is our greatest hope because then our king will return at the sound of a trumpet in Advent. We do remember the first coming of Jesus. We long for Christmas Day. But as we do so, we want to be stirring our anticipation and our expectation for an even greater day. When King Jesus returns and makes all things right. So we redirect our hopes to the right king and the right time. The return of King Jesus. Hold your finger in Psalm 98 again and let's go to Revelation chapter 5. In Revelation 5, we'll find an example of a surrender song. I'm going to cheat and use a bookmark. Revelation chapter 5. It's the song of turning our eyes away from all other kings to King Jesus. So if you're not familiar with the book of Revelation, Jesus' disciple John was given a vision of heaven. And in that vision, he witnesses many things leading up to the return of Jesus and the renewal of all things. And as John sees the throne room of God... He sees the place where God the Father and God the Son are seated on the throne. There we hear a song of surrender. 
Revelation chapter 5, verses 11 through 14. Then I looked, and I heard around the throne and the living creatures and the elders the voice of many angels, numbering myriads of myriads and thousands of thousands, saying with a loud voice, Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and might and honor and glory and blessing. And I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and in the sea and all that is in them saying to him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb be blessing and honor and glory and might forever and ever. And the four living creatures said amen and the elders fell down and worshiped. What an amazing song of surrender as the whole earth cries out, worthy, worthy is the one who has power and glory and might as they surrender to the true king. What does a surrender song do? In these texts, I see three main purposes of a surrender song. Write the first one down in your journal with me. Some surrender songs celebrate Jesus' kingship. Some surrender songs celebrate Jesus' kingship. So in verse 12, the angels sing out, Worthy is the Lamb who is slain to receive power. That's a provocative lyric. What is it that makes our king worthy of his power? But his death. He took the throne by laying his life down on a cross, and that is worthy of celebration. This song turns my eyes away from the kings of the world. How do the kings of the world get their power? They take it through manipulation, addiction, oppression, transactionalism. This song turns my eyes away from those lesser kings to the one true and good king, a king that is beyond my imagination. Surrender songs celebrate that Jesus is the king we all need and the king that deep, deep down we all want. He's the best king. And these songs draw our attentions away from those other kings. Here's another thing that surrender songs do. You can write this down. Some surrender songs. Some surrender songs are hope-filled laments. Some surrender songs are hope-filled laments or lamentations if you just want to write more. Some surrender songs are hope-filled laments. If you're going to reflect on the kingship of Jesus, that may stir up pain, longing, a desire for things to change. You look at your world, you look at the world now, and though Jesus is on the throne, it's hard to see it sometimes. So you turn your eyes to the right king and the right time, knowing that one day, one day, Jesus will return and make all things right. And so surrender songs often weave back and forth between hope and lament, longing and pain, joyful expectation and brutal honesty, so that you end up singing, O come, O come, Emmanuel, and ransom captive Israel, who mourns in lonely exile here. Until the Son of God appears, rejoice, 
Rejoice, Emmanuel, shall come to thee, O Israel. O come, thou dayspring from on high, and cheer us by thy drawing nigh. Disperse the gloomy clouds of night, and death's dark shadows put to flight. Rejoice, rejoice, Emmanuel, shall come to thee, O Israel. O come, thou key of David, come, and open wide our heavenly home. Make safe the way that leads on high, and close the path to misery. Rejoice, rejoice, Emmanuel, shall come to thee, O Israel. Surrender songs find a balance between hope and lament, holding on to each firmly with honesty and faith as we look to the right king and the right time. Here's a final form that surrender songs might take on. You can write this down too. Some surrender songs Some surrender songs are songs of repentance. Some surrender songs are songs of repentance. But perhaps as this new song is stirring in your heart, turning your eyes toward Jesus and the return of Jesus, you realize it's been a long time. You've been pursuing other things. Your affections and your faith have been resting in the wrong kings and the wrong time. So maybe your song will end up being a song of repentance. A song of rejecting other kings and professing allegiance and affection anew to King Jesus. What, what a wonderful song for Advent than to turn from the kings of darkness to the light of the world. So why would you choose? The goal here is kind of pick today which song you want to write. So why would you pick a surrender song? rather than one of the other ones. Well, first of all, if this conversation about surrender songs has stirred your interest, give it a shot. Don't, don't squelch that. Go for it if it sounds exciting or fun. But second, if this discussion has begun to stir your broken heart, if you know that within you, you have a need to lament or a need to hope, then do so. Sometimes we have to, to give ourselves permission to lament or permission to hope because the risk and transparency of doing that just seems too great. So I'm giving you an open door. If your heart is broken this Advent season, if you need to lament or you need to hope, then enter into these healing waters of surrender. Put your hopeful lament and your lamenting hope into song. Third, Maybe this discussion has stirred your conscience. You realize that you have been pursuing the wrong kings or the wrong times. If that's you, write a song of repentance. Return to King Jesus. Recast your hopes toward the right king and the right time, and you'll find yourself comforted because guess what? He's a forgiving king. And when we come to him with our brokenness and with our sin, he forgives us and embraces us. So what kind of song are you going to write this season? Are you going to write a praise song? A surrender song? Or perhaps... You're going to write an evangelistic song. The third instrument in Psalm 98 is the Hebrew word translated horn, but the Hebrew word is shofar. And the shofar, Chris doesn't have a shofar, sorry. Do you have a shofar? <laughs> For next year, right? Uh, 
the shofar was used on the battlefield and on special days of commemoration. And do you know who the audience of the shofar was? It was the whole world. You write this down. The audience, I've got to go to my next page. The audience of an evangelistic song The audience of an evangelistic song is the whole world. The whole world is the audience of an evangelistic song. So the song is sung to you, to me, and to everybody. And in many ways, Psalm 98 is an evangelistic song. So I'll turn back there. Look at verse 4. Make a joyful noise to Yahweh who all the earth break forth into joyous song and sing praises. So this very song is directed to the whole earth. Believers, to unbelievers, saying if there is breath in your lungs, if there is life in your body, make a joyful noise to Yahweh. And what's the goal of an evangelistic song? Here's your next thing to write down. Evangelistic songs draw others' attention This is the longest one. To God's character. I'll go back. Evangelistic songs draw others' attention to God's character, deeds, and kingship. Evangelistic songs draw others' attention to God's character, deeds, and kingship. So in praise songs and surrender songs, we're directing our own attention to God's character, God's deeds, and God's kingship. But in evangelistic songs, you're aiming to draw others' attention to his character, deeds, and kingship. Let me read you a classic example from Luke chapter 2, a very good evangelistic song that you probably already have memorized. And suddenly, there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest! And on earth, peace among those with whom he is pleased. When the angels sing this song in the dark of night to the shepherds, what are they doing? What are they trying to accomplish with this song? Write this down. Evangelistic songs declare the good news. Evangelistic songs declare the good news to the whole world. Evangelistic songs declare the good news to the whole world. So the angels say, glory to God in the highest. They're saying, let's make God's glory the highest thing on earth. Even as we are beaming bright with the light of heaven in the darkness, let's make his name and his glory and his story even greater. Let's make it in the highest. And why? Because a baby has been born who will bring peace to the earth. You can find God's pleasure You can find a glorious God's pleasure. You can have peace with God and peace with yourself and peace with the world. How? Through surrendering to the newborn king. Surrender to the king who is meek and mild. The king who will die and be raised again. Come to the king and find the peace that you need. What do evangelistic songs do? Here's your last note. Evangelistic songs. Say who God is. What God has done. 
Go back to Daniel. Evangelistic songs say who God is, what God has done, and they invite others to submit to him. I think that was a long point. Evangelistic songs say who God is, what God has done, and they invite others to submit to him. Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. Come to Jesus, these songs say, and find the pleasure and peace of a glorious and good king. It's an invitation to believe the gospel. Now, why would you write this kind of song rather than a praise song or surrender song over the next three weeks? Well, maybe, as with the other two, it just sounds interesting to you. You want to write an evangelistic song? Sounds cool? Go for it. But maybe this discussion has stirred your affections a little bit. You have friends or family that you want to share the gospel with, but you find it hard to put it into words. I'm not saying you go sing their, your song to them. You don't have to do that. It'd be a little weird. I mean, if you want to, give it a shot. But writing an evangelistic song might help you prepare your thoughts. You think about your unbelieving friend, family, neighbor. You want to tell them about Jesus, so this will help you think it through. What is it you need to say to them about who God is? What is it you need to say to them about what God has done? And how can you, in a winsome way, invite them to know Jesus, to surrender to King Jesus? An evangelistic song is written to the world, so consider the person you want to invite to know Jesus and work through how to share the gospel with them in a meaningful way by writing this song. So what kind of song are you going to write over the next three weeks? A praise song, celebrating God for his character and deeds? A surrender song of redirecting your hopes to the right king and the right time? Or an evangelistic song to the world, telling them of God's character deeds, and then inviting them to surrender to King Jesus? I believe that you have a new song to sing. So which kind of song are you going to write? Now, I think a solid goal by next Sunday would be to have fully picked out which kind of song you're writing. Maybe you've already chosen just this morning while I'm preaching. That's, that's fine. If that's the case, get to work. You've got a song to write this week. Carry your journal with you, and in spare moments here and there, use our four practices from last Sunday. Again, you can hear that sermon on our website to shape your song. But at least by next Sunday, have kind of figured out what kind of song you're writing. Uh, Chris Talley, our director of music, is actually going to be holding a songwriting workshop for us on Monday, December 13th. That'll be in lieu of his discipleship group that night. So if you're, like, really interested in this, and I'm not talking about music stuff. I'm just the words guy. He's going to help you with the meter and rhyme and, and music and all that. So if you're really interested in this, I encourage you to come to that songwriting workshop. But Chris has told me, don't wait until then. If you're working on this and you want some help from him, he is available to you. And the more interaction you guys have, the better it'll be for you, especially if this is your first time writing a song. So I'm going to be your big picture content guy, but Chris is going to help on the musical side of things. So come to that workshop on the 13th, and don't hesitate to show Chris your work along the way and to get his input. But in the meantime, let me pray for each of you as you're working on your songs this week. Let's pray. Holy God, thank you for this psalm that encourages us to sing a new song to worship you from our hearts, from our experience of you in your word and through the work of your Holy Spirit. And Lord, I want to pray for each of us, man, woman, boy, and girl, that you would, uh, by your spirit, uh, fill us with faith, with love, and hope this week as we meditate on your marvelous works and that we would be moved to worship. Lord, we pray for some creative, beautiful, hope-filled, lamenting, repenting, 
praise songs, all these songs, Lord, I pray that it would be birthed out of this season and that it would truly be an experience of knowing you in a new way over the next few weeks. We pray all this in the name of Jesus. Amen.